It was the week of trunk or treat. Trunk or treat around here is a big deal. You usually end up with between 60 and 90 cars out in the parking lot to the east. It's round, I don't know. It's east, uh, east field. And, and in that field, we set up all these cars and families come, thousands of people come and get candy and enjoy the activities. But the problem that week was that it had rained. And my little compact Mazda does not like going in the east field, even when it's dry. But the field is the best place to have that mess of people. And so Pastor Nate, in his wisdom, decided he would take his big ram truck diesel four-wheel drive out into the east field. We had trunk or treat in the parking lot that year. And as an added decoration, there was this lovely white four-wheel drive diesel ram stuck in the mud record. Pastor Kent has been making fun of his staff more than once lately about our inability to decide where to go for lunch after staff meeting. The truth of the matter, for the record, is that we know where we want to go, but we also know that if he doesn't want to go there, that we're going to go where he wants to go, so he might as well make the decision from the start, <laughs> for the record. But you know what that's like, to be stuck. Do we go here? Do we go here? It's, sometimes it's good things. Do I take this great job opportunity or do I take that great job opportunity? Do, do I go on this vacation or that vacation? But sometimes being stuck isn't so pleasant, is it? And we're conditioned from an early age that, that feeling stuck is, is a terrifying thing. Uh, at least for me, when I was a kid, you would, you would pull on your face and make a funny face. Yeah, and some adult would lie, I mean, tell you, what would they tell you? Your face is gonna get stuck like that. It's gonna freeze like that. Now, I was a little bit, I almost believed it for a little bit, but we're conditioned from an early age that this idea of getting stuck is a terrifying thing. During the pandemic, whew, we all felt stuck, didn't we? But there was something about that since I think we were all sort of in the same situation to some degree or another, where that stuck didn't feel quite the same. We all were in it together. But now as we move from unprecedented times back into more precedented times, we're finding that maybe that, that sense of being stuck is kind of lingering. We find it in studies that are showing us that 40% of employees are looking for a new job right now. Another study that said 70% of people feel trapped or stuck in their daily routine. I talk to a lot of guys especially, but I think this applies to everybody, guys in their 30s and 40s. And I hear this common refrain, is this really it? I mean, is this really it? We read in John 10 that Jesus came to give us life and give us life abundant. This doesn't feel very abundant. And so I've watched friends and, and others find a variety of coping mechanisms adventurous hobbies or fast cars or maybe a substance issue and, and, and anything that will dull that ache that they just feel stuck. Because I believe we all want that abundant life that Jesus offers. But how do we actually live that way? Today we're gonna look at a passage of scripture where Jesus has an interaction with a man who is very much stuck. And I think in that interaction, we're gonna see maybe what Jesus would say to us as we go through these seasons throughout our life of feeling stuck. So we're gonna be in the Gospel of John in the New Testament, beginning in chapter five, verse one. It says this. Sometime later, 
Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? 38 years, in a time when that was probably pretty close to the life expectancy, to be in that condition for 38 years, that's the definition of stuck, isn't it? And we don't know how long he had been by this pool, but, but Jesus sees him and he learns of his condition and he goes up to him and he asks him a question. Do you want to get well? Now, we may be tempted to just kind of move past this question. It, maybe it's a rhetorical device. Maybe Jesus is just asking this sort of as a, of course he wants to get well. He's been in this condition for 38 years. Maybe he's just trying to start a conversation. But I don't think we should move from this question too quickly. Because even though he had been stuck in a situation, in a circumstance, it was familiar. And even when we're stuck, there's a certain level of comfort, isn't there? It's at least familiar. We at least know what it's like. Do you want to get well? I believe that's the question that we can ask ourselves. And I feel we can hear that question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get unstuck? Several years ago, I was in a therapy appointment and uh, I, was, I was just telling my therapist like, this happened and then that happened and then this person did this and that person said that. And my therapist, she stopped me and she, she in, in that whisper that a lot of therapists like to use, Dustin, we've talked a lot about all the things going on out here. What about the things going on in here? And I realized in that moment that I was not paying her to make me better. I was paying her to, let, to agree with me. Like all I wanted was, I just want you to tell me, yeah, that's a horrible situation. And then I can move on. And now don't judge me on this because we all do it. We all have that friend. We know something bad happens and you know this friend, they're not gonna push you. They're not gonna challenge you. They're just, gonna, oh, that is horrible, isn't it? I mean, we listen, we find our news sources. We're gonna find the ones that already agree with our position because we don't wanna be challenged. We don't wanna be pushed, right? Because so often we'd rather be right than be free. We'd rather be right or at least confirmed in our biases rather than set free. And so Jesus comes to the man and he asks him, do you want to be well? Do you want to get well? Let's read the invalid's answer. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. <laughs> Do you want to get well? Do you realize what the guy just did? Parents, you probably caught this. Son, why is your room not clean? Did you know that my sister had my green Power Ranger? And that green Power Ranger has the ability to do that one thing that is just so awesome. He didn't really answer the question. He did, but he kind of just gave a bunch of excuses. It was the, the classic non-answer answer. Do you want to get well? I, I can't do it. 
In, in this passage, there are some verses that are, are not up in the main text. They're probably a footnote in your Bible. Uh, they were added later. We don't find them in the earliest manuscripts, so that's why they're not up in the main passage. And, and they're probably added just as a, a way of explaining what's going on in this scene. So, so let me kind of give a little background. In the, the Roman world of the time, there was a belief that a natural spring had some sort of healing power. And so these sick and lame people are around this pool and the belief is that somehow the water would be stirred up and the first person to get in the water would be healed. The last one's a rotten egg. And, and that would be the way they would be healed. And so what the man is giving in his excuse is he's really telling us why he hasn't been healed yet. And if he's, if he's honest and not exaggerating in his excuses, if he had friends, he doesn't have them anymore. So he, he, he can't get into the pool. He physically cannot do it. Can you feel the hope starting to fade in, his, in just even the words he's using? And I wonder if at some point the water's been stirred, how many times that he's just kind of stayed right where he was? I mean, what's the use, right? Have you ever felt so stuck and felt like there was absolutely zero chance that you had what it took to get yourself out of that situation that's a tough place isn't it that's a really tough place and I love what did not happen in this passage there's no there, <laughs> Jesus asked the question do you want to get well and it's not yes Jesus you are the Lord the Messiah the Son of God I believe that you can heal me then if I so much as touch the hem of your robe I will be healed I receive that healing yes and amen that doesn't happen the guy offers excuses Jesus heals him anyway that's the grace of Jesus and if you look at the, the stories of, of healing in the Bible, if you like to find patterns, you, Jesus will frustrate you. Because one time it's, I'm gonna spit in the mud, or spit in the dirt, make some mud, rub it on the person's eyes. That's gross. Other times it's go to the river and wash. Other times it's stretch out your hand. Sometimes it's just go. The one you're seeking healing for is well. But there's one thing that I see inside each one of these accounts one thing that each person like our invalid man in this passage each person had just enough hope left just one little bit of trust and faith that the one who was telling them had the power to make it happen that's it the one who was telling them had the power to make it happen do you want to get well what was the last thing Jesus told you to do? Obedience. That's all they did. So many, time after time after time, it was, Jesus, we need healing. And there, there may or may not have been a great declaration of faith. There was simply enough obedience. The man got up, picked up his mat, and walked. It was simply obedience what was the last thing Jesus told you to do? If you're like me, you like details. I want to know the details. Jesus, uh, you're telling me to do something. Please give me the step one, step two, step three. I want my spreadsheet, every cell filled out. I want to know the details. But perhaps, perhaps Jesus is saying no. All you need is just enough faith, just enough trust, just enough hope to believe that the one who is calling you has the power 
to make it happen. Now, I, I, I feel the, uh, the argument welling up in me, and so maybe you're hearing it too, because I've, I've made this argument with myself all week. That's great and all, Dustin. Um, I want to be made well. I want to get unstuck. Do the last thing Jesus told me to do. That sounds great. But that has nothing to do with where I feel stuck in life right now. Anybody else, you're, you're thinking that. This has nothing to do with where I am stuck. But there's a principle at work here. In Matthew 3, Matthew 3, uh, 66, 633. Sorry, I got that flipped around. In Matthew 3, 633, he has just listed a bunch of things that we worry about. And then at the end of that, he says, but seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Because Jesus knows this idea, this, this principle of what we seek first. You know this even if you may not be able to, to, to name it. If we seek first money, for example, if we seek first money, we know that that thing we are seeking is going to give direction to and organize every other aspect of life. That's what the things we seek first do. If it's money, I'm gonna seek first money. That's gonna impact my family, my relationships, my job, the things I do in my free time. It impacts everything. If my goal, if my, my entire focus of life, what I'm seeking first is to get unstuck from something, it's going to impact and give direction to every other aspect of our lives. For example, if I am feeling trapped in my marriage, I can get unstuck but it's gonna impact every single aspect of my life. But if I seek first the kingdom of God, if I seek first to follow his ways, to follow where he, he leads me, if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, the power of God now is impacting every single part of my life, even that part where I feel stuck. If it's, if it's what I'm trying to do is get unstuck, it becomes all about me. Yeah, I am the center of my own life. If it becomes about the kingdom of God, it's all about what God can do in every one of these aspects of my life. So no, it's maybe not the area where we feel stuck, but what was the last thing Jesus told you to do? Do it. Walk in it. And see if the kingdom of God doesn't begin to do a work inside other aspects of your life. Now, for some of us, we're thinking... I have no idea what the last thing Jesus told me to do was. I, I really have no idea. And that's okay. That's an okay thing to do. My encouragement for you would be open it up. Read the Gospels. Read the Gospels. If you have a Bible that has the red letters of Jesus, start reading some of those red letters. What did Jesus tell us to do? Last week, Pastor Kent gave a great message about uh, digging holes in roofs, helping people find and follow Jesus. That's a big part of what Jesus told us to do. At the end of his earthly ministry, he was with his disciples, and he told them, make disciples, help people find and follow him, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that he had commanded. What was the last thing Jesus told you to do? But for some of us, some of us, there's something very, very specific, isn't there? There's something the Holy Spirit has laid on your heart that, that for whatever reason, Maybe fear, maybe uh, not feeling like everything was in line for it to happen. But for whatever reason, you haven't yet pulled the trigger on actually doing it. And maybe if you're like me, it's been one of those things that just kind of every now and then 
knocks on the door of your heart and says, hey, hey, will you do this? I'm calling you to do this. And my spreadsheet might not be filled and I may not have the confidence that I have what it takes to do it. You may not either. Maybe you're thinking, I need to gain this skill. I need to, I need to get all of my ducks in a row to make sure that I can, I can do this because what if I fail? What if things don't go my way? And what if? What if God is saying, all I need from you is just enough faith, just enough trust to believe that the one who is calling you has the power to make it happen. The results are his, the obedience is ours. And in this passage with the invalid man, there's a very specific command. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And I love this command, but what Jesus is not saying here is, okay, I want you to get up and walk around for a while, but in a couple of hours, you're gonna feel a little bit sick. So you just need to go back to that mat, that place that you're comfortable. And I know you were stuck there, but you were a little comfortable. It's home base, right? It's that straw mat that you've been for who knows how long. It's your comfort zone. You're gonna go back there and lay down for a while. Nope, that is not what Jesus said, is it? He said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. What's your mat? Where's that place where, where you start and you're thinking, all right, Jesus, you told me to talk to my neighbor, told me that, and I have this great relationship with him. I'm gonna go share the hope that I have in you with them. Oh my goodness, I'm an introvert. What in the world am I thinking? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna live on mission. Okay, I, hey, that's scary. Where's your map? I believe this, this command is specific because he's telling the man, he's saying, okay, get up. Take up your mat and walk because that place where you were, that place where that mat was, I know it was comfortable and I know you were in this stuck situation you want out, but it's also comfortable. No, we're not gonna stay there anymore. You're gonna move forward because what I have for you is a change that's beyond what you have already experienced. And if you try to go back there, what I want to do in your life isn't gonna happen. So pick it up and go because you ain't going back there. You are moving forward in Christ. And I believe that's what he tells us. Do you want to get well? What was the last thing Jesus told you to do? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now I wonder, what were the other sick and lame people at the pool that day thinking? I mean, they've seen this man there for who knows how long. They know the condition. They know how long he's been in this condition. What are they thinking as they see him get up, roll up his mat and start walking around? But what bothers me about considering that is that we have no record of anybody else getting healed that day. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but we have no other record of anybody else getting healed that day. So I wonder how many people sick and lame around this pool looked and said, yeah, that's nice. And, and yeah, I wanna get well, but I'll just wait for the waters to be stirred. I mean, I haven't made it in yet, but I got this. I got what it takes. I can, I can do this. I, I, this, is the way, this is the way I'm comfortable with, so I'm gonna just do it this way. You know, this question, do you wanna get well, was asked specifically to this invalid man. 
But I think it's also a question for all the people around the pool that day. Some probably answered, I'll do it my way. If you continue on in John 5, you see that it's, it's kind of a question that the, the religious leaders were asked. They were upset because Jesus did this on the Sabbath, and, and they answered the question, do you want to get well? With a, I have no reason to get well. Why in the world would I need to get well? And if you really want to geek out on the Bible stuff, in Deuteronomy 2.14, we read that the Israelites, after the Exodus back in the Old Testament, after they were, were left Egypt, they wandered in the desert for approximately 38 years. The same amount of time this man has been an invalid. Perhaps there's a bigger picture going on in this passage. And so I don't think it's a stretch for us to say, this is a question for us too. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get unstuck? Do you want to get well? The good news that I read in this passage is that we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have every answer. We don't have to have every detail. All we have to have is just enough hope, just enough faith, just enough trust to believe that the one who is calling us has the power to do it, has the power to make it happen. There's something that's not in this passage that I also think is great news today. We have each other. You're not alone. That's the beauty of the church, that as we take a step of faith, we do it together. This is where things like Sunday schools and life groups can be so great because it's more than just somebody sitting next to us. It's somebody locking arms with us because how many of you know, when you start following what Jesus is telling you to do, sometimes you wonder, am I going crazy? Am I losing my mind? (laughs) And you need somebody to tell you. Yeah, no, 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 you're not. You're not going crazy. Keep going, keep going. I know you're scared. I know you wanna go back to that map, but keep going. We have each other. So what is it for you? Maybe you, you haven't begun a relationship with Jesus yet. You have a lot of questions. You have a lot of things that you wanna figure out before you cross that line. Perhaps Jesus is saying, We'll deal with those questions, but do you have just enough faith and trust and hope to believe that I am who I say I am? We'll, we'll, we'll get to those questions, but will you trust me? Today would be a great day to decide to choose today. I don't have all the answers, Jesus, but what I do have is just enough hope and trust and faith to believe that the one who's calling me is who he says he is. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you recently decided to follow Jesus or you decided to follow Jesus a long time ago. And every time we have a baptism, you're thinking, I I really feel like I need to do that. Like, I feel like God has placed that in my heart, but I've been following Jesus for years. I've been a leader in the church. I've been doing this. What are people going to think? I will tell you exactly what people are going to think as they see you be baptized. Praise the Lord. They're gonna celebrate. They're gonna celebrate and your act of simple obedience will encourage them to take their next step of faith too. Perhaps there is something specific. Perhaps there's something specific for you that that you've lived with maybe for a while and, and you feel the Holy Spirit just place that on your heart. And for whatever reason, you haven't pulled the trigger on actually doing it yet. As I think of this passage and I think of this, this, this man 
When he was told to get up, take up his mat and walk, can you imagine what those first few steps looked like? I mean, they had to have been really awkward. He hadn't stood up and walked like that who knows how long, if ever. It's okay if those first few steps of faith feel really uncomfortable and look really uncoordinated. Just take them. Or maybe you've, you've had that on your heart and maybe it's something you can't do right now, but you can do the next thing Jesus tells you to do or the last thing he told you to do. Because the good news is that his grace does not expire on us. Just do the next thing he tells you to do. Because we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it all figured out. All we have to have is just enough hope, just enough trust, and just enough faith to believe that the one who is calling us has the power to make it happen. Do you want to get well? What was the last thing Jesus told you? Get up, take up your mat, and walk. Let's take those next steps of faith together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're doing a work in our hearts right now. I believe for some that they know that you have been calling their name for years and they haven't begun a relationship with you yet. If that's you, would you, let's, let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, we believe you are who you say you are. I don't have it all figured out, but I believe that you are who you say you are. And I'm gonna trust you. I know I've sinned, I've fallen short, but I'm gonna turn from those ways and turn toward you and receive the life that you have given me by your life, death, and resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. I want to get unstuck in you. Or maybe for you, there is something that you're, you're, that's laying on your heart. Lord, I pray for, for my friends, my brothers and sisters that, that have heard your voice. They know what they need to do, but for whatever reason, it has, it's been hard. It's been really hard to take that next step, whatever it has looked like. God, I, I confess myself, I want to know the next step every time. I always want to know what's next. But your word doesn't promise us what's next, but your word promises that you are with us. So we will trust, we will faith, to have the faith to take that next step toward you, whatever that looks like. God, as we go from this place, we invite you to continue the work that you've begun. God, you've been so good to us in your grace, in your mercy, in your love. And we believe in you. We believe that you are the one, the one who is calling us, and we will have just enough faith. Sometimes it may just be all we can muster, but just enough faith and trust and hope to believe that you are the one who can make it happen. We will trust you for the results. We will do our part of the obedience and obedience out of the love that we have for you because of the love you have for us. And we pray it all in Jesus' amazing name. Amen.